From the mighty 990 Broadcast Center, it's time to wake up Memphis. Good morning, Memphis, and welcome to the morning show. Want to start with just a big old, huge, massive thank you to all of our great listeners out there. This just happened yesterday. We are proud to announce that our Stop Memphis Crime page has reached 10,000 members. And these are the most active members I have ever seen. And, you know, we do social media across the different platforms, whether that be Facebook, X, formerly known as Twitter, Instagram. We're on TikTok. I'm sorry, but we've got to reach those Gen Zers out there with the truth. And yet we started and launched this Stop Memphis Crime page, but maybe a year ago. And we have seen those numbers rise consistent consistently for over a year and what it has ultimately done is deputize thousands of of journalists and maybe you did not get an undergrad in a journalism degree maybe you did not study broadcast journalism or which thank god because you would probably be working for a local tv station in town and you would be a crooked journalist there are some good journalists here let me let me say that but We know that the journalists, the media, the TV and radio markets here have not been forthcoming with information. And then you also have to look at our public officials in the city of Memphis. You have the Crime Commission, the Shelby County Crime Commission, got a story in front of me and they are telling you that crime overall in Memphis and Shelby County is going down. Do you feel that? Do you feel better about the crime? No, it's not going down. What they're saying is, I guess, car thefts have dropped a little bit, so they are making that the lead story. Meanwhile, Granny's being shot in the Kroger parking lot. But applause to the to the Crime Commission. Um, and then the Memphis Police Department, which, listen, they have a tough job, but one of their jobs is to relay information to the public so you are safe and you are not left wondering if there are crazy people out shooting people at four o'clock in the in the morning and they are not forthcoming with that information so what we've done on that stop memphis crime page is deputize you guys to report the news and todd and i were out yesterday with our friends over at fcg and there were a couple of those guys and that is financial consulting group they will be in studio this morning at eight fifteen. they said that is the most active and most informative group that we've ever had in the city of Memphis. And we've had our lawmakers, both Republicans and Democrats, ask multiple times if they can share their messages to the people via and using the vehicle of that Stop Memphis crime page because it's reaching everybody. The other thing, and then we'll move on, is it is very consolidated to this area. So on our main Facebook page on KWAM, we have, I believe last check, it was over 27,000 followers. If you look at some of the other quote-unquote competitors in the market, they're lucky if they have 1,000 followers, but that's not the big story here. The big story is 27,000 followers. Yes, that's great. That shows the power of our local station, but because of who and how our operation is managed, you've got... Starnes Media Group, which is the big umbrella, and that is the power of Todd's national show. So we get a lot of crossover from people in Alaska to Florida. This Stop Memphis crime page, I was looking at some of the stats, and you can see that in the data analytics. 
They are all right here in the Mid-South region. So that, my friends, is how we stop Memphis crime. Truly, because we've got to know about the crime in order to find solutions, hopefully, to curb it. We have a full show, um, and we're going to get through a couple big stories, but I wanted to start with something that really is bothering me because not only is it a snub on conservatives, but it's a snub on someone who I believe has invested more in this city than most, and that is my boss, Todd Starnes. As you guys know, he's getting ready to release his new book, Twilight's Last Gleaming, Can America Be Saved? And this is... One of Todd's multiple books. Dylan, how many how many books? He's authored nine books. I was reading his autobiography. Wait, are, is that for dead people? No, I don't think so. I was reading his bio. That's what it was before we jumped on the show. And it's very long. I've actually highlighted um, that bio before Todd will give a speech. I'll kind of address the audience who Todd is. And if you look, he's authored so many books. Well, this is his latest one. And I believe this is the first one that got the forward Signed and written by the President of the United States. That would be Donald Trump, which is no small thing. Here is what former President Trump had to say about Todd in his book. Quote, Todd Starnes is a fierce defender of freedom and a great patriot. He has seen and understands what is happening to our country like few others. His book is absolutely terrific. And so maybe that's why Todd is getting the cold shoulder from a local bookstore in town. Let's talk about Novel Memphis for a minute. Now, this is a store in town that I've been to multiple times, but not as much as my boss has been. Todd was explaining on his show yesterday that he enjoys local bookstores, not just in Memphis, but across the country. He understands how important it is for local bookstores that are competing with the big ones like Barnes & Noble to have locals Drop in and buy books. You really need that to keep your doors open. So Todd has been very good about doing that. He's also given them multiple books and they've done very well at the bookstore over at Novel. Well, if you recall, Todd released his biscuit book, Devotions with a Draw. Non-political, didn't have the foreword of the former president of the United States. It was talking about how to make a good tomato sandwich. (laughs) They did end up carrying it. But back when they were getting ready to release that, and that's what uh, what these authors oftentimes do, they have a big book launch, and there's a book signing. People can meet Todd. Todd can meet the people, the readers. It's a good old time. And we also know how to throw a good party, so they they want this party. But going back to the Biscuit book, they had reached out, our guys over here, about potentially doing that book signing there. And they said... They were busy and they couldn't do it. I don't know why, because if you look at their calendar and their schedule, they're always doing book signings and book launches. But Todd took the high road. He did not get dirty. He did not go to their level. And turns out they sold a ton of his books. Well, with this latest one, maybe it was the former president's endorsement of the book. I mean, he's... (laughs) Is this a controversial thing? Can America be saved? I mean, they carry every other political book. And some of them are conservative, but most of them are very progressive authors that write very progressive books. So Todd and and Dalton, the CEO of Starnes Media Group, had reached out to Novel 
about this book launch, which would be in March. And they have been nothing but terrible to someone who has been nothing but gracious to this bookstore. Snubbing Todd and his book launch. We're not going to do it. Why? Well, they're not going to tell you why. Because that would be admitting that they are a political arm in this city. Look no further than an event that they just hosted on, this was November 28th, this 6 o'clock in the evening. Guess who dropped by Novel Memphis? Steve Mulroy. And there was a conversation with Jared Fishman. He was the author in town, and it was about justice after Hurricane Katrina. I guess he's a prosecutor. And so they welcome in the district attorney, someone who I would argue, and I think most of our listeners would argue, has done more to destroy this city than anybody in the last decade. But we will roll out the red carpet for people like Steve Mulroy, and we will shutter our doors for patriots like my boss, Todd Starnes. Here's Todd explaining just um, a little bit of this on his national show yesterday. I want you to take a listen. Cut 12 reached out to Novel Memphis, and we said, hey, um, and I did this with the Biscuit book, and uh, they said, oh, well, we're really not doing um, in-person signings anymore, and, um, you know, but uh, we'll, we'll stock the book, but we're not going to have you come and speak or do anything like that in the bookstore. And I thought that was kind of weird because the Biscuit book was um, non-political. But, and again, they sold, they sell a lot of Todd Starnes' books. And so uh, we reached out to them back last summer, and we told them, hey, new book is coming out, and we would love to be able to do an event. So anyway, um, we finally got a response, and they said, no, you're not welcome here. You are, we're not, gonna, we're not going to do a book signing for you. There will not be a book event here for you. They said, we just don't have time. So we reached out to him almost a year ago, and ladies and gentlemen, every liberal that has written a book has done a book signing at Novel Memphis. Exactly. So why Snub Todd? That's the question. I mean, fill in the blank. Use your imagination. I don't think it takes an imagination to understand why they will not host Todd's book launch. Now, don't worry. We are still going forward with the book launch and we'll find another place in town. And I was looking at some of the venues that they're eyeing. We're going to be okay. (laughs) We're going to be okay. On that note, too, I follow their Instagram page on um, social media and they cannot get people to their book launches. And if they hosted a Todd Starnes book launch, They would pack out that place. And not only would those people come in and buy Todd's books, but they would probably buy some of the other items there. They've got great paintings. They've got great souvenirs. They've got trinkets, nooks, everything. It's, it's a, it's a very nice store. They also have a fantastic little cafe that Todd has probably spent more money at than anybody else in this city. But no, Todd, you are not welcome here. And that upsets me. It really does. And, You know, Todd yesterday threw out their phone line because a lot of people in the Todd Starnes nation were were defensive of Todd. And this is a guy that is a patriot, that does care about Memphis. I mean, listen to his national show. 
yes, he covers national headlines, but he also, you can tell, he cares about the city that he lives in. And that's how he's being treated. So some people picked up the phone and they called Novel Memphis. And they, they, they gave them a call. We have some of Todd's listeners. We'll share that with you in the second hour and the response that Novel Memphis is giving to these listeners. Here's the deal. If you're going to pick a side, that's fine. Just be honest with yourselves and your customers. But don't disguise your hatred of conservatives, folks like Todd Starnes, by saying you don't have time or we can't fit it into your schedule. Because clearly you could fit in our progressive district attorney that was backed and funded by George Soros. So be adults. Don't gaslight us. We're over the BS and we're on you. So here is my advice. Call Novel. Be polite. That's what we do. And ask them, why not this book launch? And then share that with us. You can phone in to the morning show. They might not be open. Dylan, check me on the hours right now. Or you could call in tomorrow or send us an email. Because we genuinely want to know some answers here. Here's their number. 901 922-5526. Number again, 901-922-5526. Because as a conservative, what this is telling me is you too are not welcome here. Not only Todd, but people that think like Todd, you have no place at our bookstore. Boycotts are effective. And I don't know that a local bookstore in town can afford one. We'll be right back. Check out the weather anytime at Mighty990.com. No, no, no. My thin skin is not thin. Am I a little defensive this morning? Yes, but I'm also on offense because I don't like being snubbed. And why I say I is because I am a conservative as well. So while this might be at Todd Starnes, and we're talking about Novel Memphis, the local bookstore in town that Todd has spent a ton of time and money at, said, you're not welcome here. Why I'm offended personally is because I also share many of the same ideals and values that my boss does. And there are other bookstores in town. There's a shirt that's really trendy trendy among many of my peers. And Dylan, maybe you've seen this before. It's about relationships. And if a, if a guy or a girl snubs you and you don't get date two, they put on this t-shirt and it says, quote, I have options. It's a big old metaphorical middle finger to that person that snubbed you. Don't worry. I'll be fine. We have options. And we actually do have options. As a matter of fact, one of our listeners this morning just wrote in and said, um, my store is about fourth of a mile from Novel Memphis and would love to host a book signing. You know, that's the thing. It's like not that political. It's really about a a book that talks about our country and, and where we're headed as a country. And we support local bookstores that carry people that would would line their bookshelves with crazy people like Valerie Jarrett and Michelle Obama and Barack Obama and Joe Biden. That's like to be expected. You remember when Michelle released her book? It was literally in the front of every bookstore. It was like wallpaper. We still went to the bookstores. I've gone with Todd over to Novel. Dylan, you may have as well. And we get food there pretty frequently because it's pretty fire. Here's Todd talking about some of the money he spent there and why this is 
a little bit personal. Take a listen. Cut 11. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of independent bookstores. And uh, one of my favorite bookstores in Memphis is called Novel Memphis. And I buy, I probably spent five or $6,000 since I've been back in Memphis buying books from these people. And they're all very nice and very friendly, uh, but they're as liberal as the day is long. And I suspect some of them are actually communist. <laughs> as, only, as only Todd can. Uh, here's the other thing. Um, when Todd does a book launch like this and they're working on the agenda, the schedule, I mean, there are bookstores across the country that are begging Todd to come because they need the business. And that is what Amy on our on our Facebook is writing in this morning. And I agree with her full heartedly. She writes, quote, businesses can't afford to take sides, not politics, gender issues, etc. Their objective is, well, it should be, is to make money. Look no further than Bud Light. Go Todd. Novel is shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, you remember... What was it? Mark Levin came out with his book and maybe the maybe the headline was controversial. Democrats hate America. They do. I really believe some of them do. And so what did Target do? They said, we're not we're not going to carry your book. And a ton of conservatives got really upset and Target faced more backlash. Additionally, outside of them carrying gender trans baby swimsuits and, and gay nutcrackers at Christmas But you get the gist. So we're going to be on this. And let me say this too, because that book launch will be in March and y'all are coming and it's going to be fantastic. If you remember our big party that we had down at the Hill and on the rooftop, what we had 300 people. We know how to throw a party. They need the KWAM listening audience. I can tell you that right now. Some of you guys are saying you have a list of businesses and service Services, people that you won't be using anymore because they've showed their political cards. The thing that I don't like about this is masquerading as you're apolitical and you host the district attorney who makes Barack Obama look like Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, the guy is that progressive. (laughs) So don't gaslight us Memphis or novel Memphis. That's all I'm asking. All right. Back to the crime commission because they have released new stats out with them Wednesday morning. And the the headline that I'm reading is that the data shows a decline in overall crime during the last few months, 2023 compared to 2022. This is the end of last year's annual report. So they push it out to all of the local TV stations and everybody stopped. I'm reading Fox 13's copy. There's a silver line. Car thefts are dropping. Well, maybe that's because the Memphis Police Department literally hosted uh, these these. Um, steering wheel, steering wheel lock giveaways every other month, which was effective, and I encouraged them to do more of them. But to suggest that crime is down in Shelby County in Memphis is BS. And I want them to tell this woman in Midtown. Spoke to WREG. This was outside of her home. This was Monday, just after eleven. Residents at the Midtown Senior Living Center. They're trying to go to sleep. When this happens, take a listen to this in cut number. I believe we have that. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. Um, We'll get that. Cut seven. It is terrifying. It shook me from head to toe, if you really want to know the truth. I heard car alarms going off and said, hey, hey. And that's when the gunshots 
rang out. Boom, 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 boom. Very loud. There was a tiny bit more audio, but we didn't have time for all of it. Um, she's emotional. She's crying. And when I see older people, I don't know why them and women, and I understand feminists in our audience would push back on that. We can protect ourselves. When I see women that go to a Kroger in town and their heads are on a swivel because they're terrified that a thug is going to swipe their purse, hold a gun up to their head and steal their car. When I hear this woman, a res- and she didn't want to go on camera, we don't know her name, but we do know she's a resident of the Midtown Senior Living Center that is on South Cox Street in Midtown. When I hear her emotional and terrified by the crime epidemic that we're having, it makes me angry and very protective. And to have the Crime Commission come out and gaslight all of us that crime is going down makes me beyond livid this morning. I need to take a break. And... T- and chill out. That's what the producers are telling me over there. Now, they did get the guys. They were all kids. Well, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, and 18-year-old. As of last checked, none of these guys have um, been charged. But if you look at their crime and their rap sheets, they have multiple offenses. So they will be in court this morning, and we'll try to get some developments on that case. On the other side of the break, Secretary of State here in the Volunteer State, Trey Hire, is going to be dropping by the show. Of course, early voting is right around the corner. We're going to be lumped in with all of the states involved in Super Tuesday. We'll talk to him about that. Also, Dr. James Whitmore with Mid-America Baptist Seminary. Their Mid-America Passion Play returns to the Mid-South. And we'll be talking to him about that in just a couple minutes as well. We'll be right back. Listen to the Mighty 990 with the new KWAM mobile app. Download it now at Mighty990.com for Apple or Google Play. Your direct access to everything KWAM. The Mighty 990. 107.9 FM, 990 AM. KWAM. But crime is going down. And that should make you feel very good this morning. Of course, I'm being sarcastic. I I push back and reject the premise by the Crime Commission when you see these stories happening in Midtown. Just, I believe it was Sunday night, just after 11. Um, Want to go to our phone lines. A guy in the neighborhood was there and he wants to phone in this morning with a report. Rick, as I understand, you were in that neighborhood when all of this unfolded. That's right. I was upstairs at about 1130. Uh, Sunday night, and you got your facts a little wrong. They had been breaking into the uh, senior living place, the Baptist Church at uh, Union and Cox. They've been doing that for for quite a while now. Well, they their tentacles came down the street, to our, uh, like Oliver and Cox. And there's a B, Airbnb there at the corner, and they were breaking into some cars. The alarms were going off, and I heard two alarms go off. I said, "What are the odds of that?" Somebody wow. hitting the wrong button. No way. So I look out the window. Upstairs, look down. I hear boom, boom, boom. Obviously, nine millimeter pistols. Then, bam, was the AR that started going off. Huh. And they were shooting in the house, the Airbnb, where the guy walked out on the porch and said, Hey, 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 what are y'all doing? That was attempted murder, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. In the article, they said that he they were just shot in his direction. 
Well, there were three other people in the room that the bullets were piercing the uh, clapboard in the windows. So that, to me, is attempted murder. That's a little bit worse than just breaking in the car. And they yeah. didn't steal anything. Yeah, then well... They were caught, then they were caught at uh, Union and McLean in the Walgreens parking lot. That led to a high-speed chase 17 miles down uh, in the Mississippi is where they were caught. Hmm. And they haven't been charged with a gun crime yet. But it's I unbelievable. Rick, real quick, let me jump in here. This is what your neighbor told WREG. It's a very similar account as you just described. Cut seven. It is terrifying. It shook me from head to toe, if you really want to know the truth. I heard car alarms going off and said, hey, hey. And that's when the gunshots rang out. Boom, 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 boom. Very loud. Rick, I'll give you the last word. I'm upset, just as upset as you. I've been there since 1996. That's our little street. We've been there. That's our home. They violated our uh, life and safety. And my wife works for one of the largest law firms in town, and we're going to follow up on this. Yeah, yeah. Find out. That, that's just got to be attempted murder. Well, Rick, we are here for you, here for your neighbors that are terrified by the crime. You hear it in my voice. I hear it in yours. And we are going to get to the bottom of this, but it starts with accountability right there at 201 Poplar. Thank you for the call. want to go back to our phone lines. As mentioned, I teased that we were going to be joined by the Tennessee Secretary of State here, and that would be Trey Haggart, who joins us on the phone line this morning. Thank you for dropping by. Wanted to check in with you because, as we know, that right around the corner, we have early voting and wanted to start with that. Um, and thank you for taking the time this morning. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Well, I'm just saddened that I got to hear part of the call earlier. and Just saddened by what's going on in some of our communities down in Shelby County and West Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge, it's a huge, huge concern, which is, again, a reminder Secretary Hargett, why we need to get to the ballot box, right? We have an opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the people who are hearing these cases, prosecuting these cases, and I say hearing, are not hearing in some cases. We got a big backlog of cases down there in Shelby County. And, you know, those are the people got to be held accountable at the polls. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of, there was a story that I saw and wanted to get your reaction to this. Um, The Associated Press and their public affairs research poll found that only 22% of Republicans have high confidence the votes in the upcoming presidential election will be counted accurately compared to 71% of Democrats. How important is it for, I don't care what side of the aisle that we are on, whether you're a liberal, a progressive, a conservative, a moderate, to have confidence that if you drop your vote into a ballot box, it's going to be counted. Well, that's a great question, because ultimately, if we don't have confidence in the elections, it's hard to have confidence in our government, our form of government. So, uh, you know, that's why in Tennessee, we, we're very proud of the fact that we're number one in the nation election integrity. That, that ranking comes from the Heritage Foundation. And also, a recent poll by the Foundation of Government Accountability said that 85% of Tennesseans had confidence in how elections were being administered in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You know, we work very hard at that, and we wish that, you know, everybody in the country would follow the Tennessee model. But the bottom line is here in Tennessee, we're going to make sure that we follow our laws. We've got good laws in place, and we've got great bipartisan election commissions throughout the state that are making sure that you can trust that your vote is counted once, no more, no less. 
Yeah, it does need to be the template. And I followed our infrastructure in Tennessee and other states across the union should take note. But I'm opinion and you're not. So let's move on to right around the corner. We've got the Super Tuesday primaries, which involves us in the volunteer state. Well, that's right. It's going to be a big day. And, uh, you know, March 5th is election day, but early voting starts on Valentine's Day. So what better way to show your love for our country than getting out and, and go ahead and cast your vote in the presidential primary? And also, you're going to have a lot of counties out there that have their their county primaries as well. So, you know, what I tell people is when you don't go vote, what you don't do is you turn over the keys of power to those that do. And so it's really incumbent upon us to go and vote and also use our spheres of influence to encourage family members, friends, co-workers to go vote their values as well. Mm-hmm. With early voting, with it being so close, for those that are waking up this morning and realizing, oh, crap, I may not be registered to vote. <laughs> is there still time to get registered? There is. February 5th is the deadline. So it's just around the corner. Oh, man. And um, you can go to go. You can go to GoVoteTN.gov and you can use our online voter registration system. It's also available on your mobile phone. You can download the app um, in the Apple Store, or Google Play Store. It's the GoVoteTN app, and it's G-O-V-O-T-E, and it's the T-N. And you can download that. And just in a matter of moments, you know, you can be registered to vote and prepared to participate in the upcoming election. All right. It's never been easier to register. Uh, and I love that. It is. I, I checked out it this morning before prepping for the interview, and you're exactly right. Also, on our website, kwamradio.com, you issued a new warning to Tennesseans about receiving different mailings from third-party companies. Very devious, Secretary. I mean, if you look at some of the, they look very official, and the business community cannot afford being scammed. So what are you guys following in your office? You know, so what we're trying to do is make people aware of a most recent mailing that hit last week from a group called, I think, T- Tennessee UCC Financing Statement Service. And, and they, if you have a UCC-1 filed through our office, they're trying to convince you you need to have a copy of that on file, which is not, not true. And plus, they also try and charge you $107 for something that we only charge $15 for that you could get done on our on our website very easily. So, you know, we're using our email list. We're, we're grateful to media partners like you are helping us get the message out and, um, and also using social media, try and make business owners aware that they don't have to do this. Cause I mean, there's 200,000 UCC filings out there. So, I mean, if they just get two, 2000 businesses or people out there to do these filings, this group makes close to a quarter million dollars. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, there's big money in this, yeah. but we're trying to make people aware of the scam. Yeah. Not only are you pushing people out to vote, but you're kind of acting like our friends over at the Better Business Bureau, which I'm a big fan of as well. All right. Going to leave it there because we've got to scoot to break. Trey Hargett, the Secretary of State here in Tennessee. Thank you for dropping by. And again, I'll push this out one more time. GoVoteTN.gov. Again, that website is GoVoteTN.gov. And get registered today. Thank you for dropping by. Thank you again for your time. Have a great day. All right. On the other side of the break, the Mid-America Passion Play returns to the Mid-South under the direction of my next guest. It's a KWM exclusive. You're not going to want to miss. We'll be right back. The Mighty 990 AM and online at Mighty990.com. KWM.
the greatest event in history. You know what it is. No, it's not in maybe your your history book. Hopefully it is in some regard. But it's in the Bible. And I'm very excited to have my friends over at Mid-America. And of course, we're talking about the Mid-America Passion Play that is annual under the director uh, direction of Dr. James Whitmire. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Ben. I mean, for some people, they might not view that as the greatest event in history. But for those that are believers, that event in history, which is real, it's a very real historical event. Yes, absolutely. Changes everything. Yeah. Well, you know, for 2,000 years, we dated our calendar from that event. So it must have meant something, something. to the first century for, for us to do that for 2,000. And now we've gotten so smart, we're, we're changing, you know, uh, the BC, the BCE, and all that. Yeah. All you need to know is Christ came to earth wrapped in a manger and ultimately paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could have a union with him. And that's what this is all about. The promised one, which is the, the what would you say, the, the theme of this year's passion play? Because I know every year they go through different variations. You guys are very creative. You have a great, great staff and great cast members. So talk about the promised one, what we can expect. Well, this is the second year we'll, we do this script. We do the same script two years in a row. That's what we used to do at Bellevue. And uh, this, uh, there's so much in the Bible. Uh, we've recreated new music. Someone says, well, I saw it last year. Should I come this year? Absolutely. Come and bring someone. And uh, you'll hear, you'll see new actors. You'll uh, hear new music. But most of all, you'll be sharing this with a child or a or a co-worker or something and let them hear the gospel and, and it should be life-changing. Mm -hmm. And I think when we talk about news and this is one of my favorite segments that we do, we catch up all different times. We were just on talking about the big galley you guys held. Oh, yeah. That was so fun. Governor Mike Huckabee came to town. <laughs> that was pretty fun. Uh, why I like these segments is they are lighter, they're serious, but mm -hmm. they're hopeful. And I think right now, as I look at the news and I'm prepping for the show, there seems to be a dark blanket over our city right now. Yes. A lot of despair, dis, uh, people depressed and feeling despair. And I think with an event like this, this gives people the hope. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, I've lived eight decades, and, uh, and I can see a darkness coming uh, in the world, just even in America. You know, there, the gospel was far more... Uh, um, uh, you know, totally, uh, uh, you know, acceptable in America. And, and now it seemed like we're getting away from truth and we're accepting darkness. We're, we're really in, almost in a world war now and we don't realize it. We yeah. think things are just going to go like they are. But, you know, the Bible is, uh, is proving itself true, you know, as we see these times get darker. Mm -hmm. Redemption draws near right when yes. you look at some of these events playing out on the global scale it's and scary. america needs jesus yeah. and this is a way to show the gospel story and you've been doing this for not just the last couple of years <laughs> no doctor you've been doing this for what, over four decades yes and yes. all over the country not just here in the mid-south yeah even in uruguay and <laughs> uh in spain and uh, and other places where we can take it and it's uh, it's been exciting i, I know 
even at at Bellevue, I, I uh, added up all the performances of just the Passion Play. It's over four hundred that we did in those thirty 400. years. And as you look at, obviously, that's a, a huge legacy that will be left and felt by millions of people if you look at all of the years you've been doing this. But as you look into the future, I'm sure it's not over for this passion play. No, I, I pray that it'll keep going. It's a story that never grows old. And uh, the, the, the ones who seem to enjoy it the most are children, young adults, uh, pictures worth a thousand words. And when you see the Bible recreated, on stage, it means so much uh, to the person who, who sees it. Can I ask how long it takes, even though this script may be from yesteryear, mm-hmm. but the production, it, you know Sight and Sound, right? I know my yeah, oh, yes. fans are big yeah. fans of Sight and Sound. It's wonderful. And it is incredible. It reminds me of that. Which means you guys, are is it a lot of volunteer work? You guys get the cast, you get them all together, and you start rehearsals. How long does it take, the it, effort to put into a production? It takes about two or three months. Uh, in fact, we just had tryouts this past Saturday morning and Monday night, and we had the largest group ever to try out uh, for this Mid-America Passion play. But it, wonderful talent, and it's not just... Uh, Crossroads Baptist Church, but it, we're from about uh, 15 to 20 different churches that come together. Most of the actors are from Crossroads, but uh, we have them from um, 15, 20 different churches. A lot of work, but I'm sure worth it. Absolutely. I'm sure worth it when you see those folks raise their hand or meet at the end of the production Yes, and commit their lives to Christ. I mean, to, I mean, growing up, and in the Bible, it's very clear that if one soul dedicates their life to yeah. Christ and makes that life decision, all of heaven rejoices. Absolutely. We, last That's year, we it. had 41 professions of faith and wow. 55 rededications that, that signed the cards. And even my little great-granddaughter, I baptized her because she was in it. And uh, I, I watched the children on stage. They don't even see the audience. They're so caught up in what's happening on stage, you can tell that that uh, they're they're into it and and the script is about 90% just pure scripture that's being uh, quoted uh, by by the players but uh, the, the bible says that that scripture will not return void that when it's spoken or read or or prayed that it um, uh, there's power you alluded to this just moments ago it takes a team to yes. get something like this Crossroads Baptist Church, Love Worth Finding Ministry, great, great people in the city of Memphis. Of course, Mid-America Seminary and yes. the college. It takes crew. And that's what's so encouraging. Even though we alluded to the darkness of the city, there are a lot of good people that are sold out for this mission. Oh, absolutely. And uh, God, God is still alive. I mean, he's still working even in the darkest days. That's, that's where he works, you know, even the strongest. And I'm, I really pray for America. Uh, America, uh, we're, we're seeing more signs of, uh, of, of, uh, uh, people who uh, do seances or tarot card readers and all this, uh, you know, 40 years ago, you'd never see that on a billboard. But America is getting darker, is getting gloriously dark, but Jesus is still the light that shines and changes lives uh, when we allow him to come into our lives. Yeah. The gospel 
It changes everything, doesn't yeah, it? Absolutely. On a lighter note, how about the animals? Uh, it was sight and sound. I know, I know they've got, I mean, that was such a big thing. Do you guys do the live animals? We do. We, no way. We have a donkey. A and, real donkey. You know, and we have ducks and chickens and, and uh, we have a lamb, <laughs> you know. Uh, That's why the kids are coming. I mean, I'm sure they love the Bible story, but if I was able to play with live animals, I'm also oh, going yeah. to be raising my hand and auditioning. <laughs> yeah, they're they're into it and they they... They love playing with the lamb, you know, and we have, usually have a spare lamb, you know, in case something happens to the one we have. <laughs> yeah, you got the spotless lamb and then the one that has a couple defects. Yeah. yeah, got them on standby. Okay. All right, so talk about ways to get your tickets secured now. Yes, we want to make sure we in fact, they go on sale tomorrow, and uh, the website is midamericapassionplay.org midamericapassionplay.org. If you have trouble with uh, anything like that, call Crossroads Baptist Church, 901-309-7777. That's a pretty easy number, 309-7777, and someone will help you. Tickets go on sale February 1st, as the good doctor just said on the morning show. Um, And this is exciting. Go to midamericapassionplay.org. This is March 30th through April 2nd. If I've got that, you can you can jump in here. Uh, uh, yeah, March 21st through the 24th. Okay. I'm not sure yeah. why I got that wrong. So say that one more time. It's March uh, 21st through the 24th. That's Palm Sunday weekend. Okay. It's right. a little early this year. All right. That is March 21st through the 24th. Again, tickets go on sale bright and early tomorrow morning. So don't sleep on those. Again, you can go to midamericapassionplay.org. And if you do have any problems, he threw out the phone number. I'll repeat it for you. So write this down. 901-309-7777. Again, that is 309-7777. Give them a call and they will help you out. Dr. James Whitmire, thank you for dropping by and sharing the passion behind the promise one. All right, good stuff. What a way to end the first hour on a hopeful note, because there is hope in that message of the promised one. MidAmericaPassionPlay.org, MidAmericaPassionPlay.org. On the other side of the break, more local headlines. The city council will be taking the final vote to give them lifetime health insurance. Do they deserve it? That's the question. I don't know. Martavius Jones, I mean, you can you can pay for your own health insurance. As a, as a tax guy in the city and someone that pays taxes there, I don't want to foot the bill for that. Also, we'll be joined by American journalist Robin Poffman. You hear her on the Todd Starn Show. She's incredible. Also, our friends over at FCG, Joey Solopec, going to be dropping by live and in studio at 8.15 this morning. Go grab some coffee. We'll see you on the other side. From the Mighty 990 Broadcast Center, it's time to Wake Up Memphis. And welcome back to Wake Up Memphis, the morning show. Glad to have you guys on our team. If you haven't already, go ahead and download our KWAM app. You can get on your Google Play Store or App Store. I did it the other day to help a listener through the process. And depending on your Wi-Fi or your internet connection, it will take you one minute. Less than that, actually. You just type in KWAM and boom, you've got the app. Also, shout out to the 10,000 of you guys that have become members of our Stop Memphis Crime. 
big benchmark for only having that page up and going for about a year. And we've already coalesced a group of 10,000 citizen journalists, the eyes and ears of our city, to holding our public officials accountable. Which leads me to this story. And I've got a simple question. It's a yes or no. Based on the city council and their performance, do they deserve lifetime health care? <laughs> it's not a joke. It's actually coming up in a big final vote on February the 6th. The city council is expected to decide whether the city of Memphis taxpayers, you guys out there, will pay for the city council members' health insurance until they turn 65 years old. Now, for these city council members, the guys and girls on the city council, the elected officials would have to serve two full terms or eight years. But they only work in a part-time capacity, a.k.a. this is not their full-time job. Many of these people that sit on the city council don't need the health insurance for a lifetime. I'm sorry. Just Google half of these people. They're very wealthy. Some of them are the elites in town. Did you know that even with this part-time job, they make $34,000 a year? Actually, $34,900 a year. That's their salary. For a part-time job? I understand. But this is service. You put your hand on the Bible, you are an elected official. Last check, a public servant. You guys, as public servants, are making a decent amount of money. There was an opinion piece by a former city council member might remember him. He served from 2009 to 2019, was elected chair twice by his peers in 2016 and 2019. That is Kemp Conrad. And he wrote a piece in the Daily Memphian, and it's an opinion piece, and here's how he started it. The council's healthcare proposal is as ludicrous as it is offensive. And he cites William Shakespeare, who once wrote, to be or not to be, That is the question. He goes on to say, I and tens of thousands of Memphians, white and black, poor and rich, Democrat and Republican, now ask our newly elected Memphis City Council as it convenes in some of its meeting as its first body to serve or be served. That is the question. He goes down through and asks a couple questions. We'll regurgitate those and you answer them this morning. Is it fair that the average everyday Memphian would pay 70% of their premium until they're 65 years old for these part-time elected officials when none of those paying the majority of the tab has this kind of rich benefit. He's referring to city of Memphis employees. If you go back a couple years ago, they were trying to get benefits for firemen and police officers in the city. They cut them. And then ultimately, they gave them back. But it was a long, hard fight to do that. I want to interject, but I want to go through this opinion piece a little bit more. He goes on to say, is it fair to these city employees, like the firemen and the police officers in town, many of whom have worked for 25, 30 years, to not have the same benefits as part-time elected officials for eight years that they would receive? Is the city council really going to give this benefit to themselves and not others who have worked full-time for the city for decades? This is really interesting because we know that we have corruption problems in the city. 
and it has been a black eye in the way that we're viewed in the middle part of this state, Nashville. And he said, we have worked hard to rebuild credibility in the halls of our state government in the last day. And passing this plan, he adds, will quickly gain Nashville's attention for all the wrong reason. Quoting him here, I think Nashville will wonder why Memphis needs money for sports arenas and other worthy causes if there's enough money to lavish on part-time council members. Ouch. Right? Because we need $55 million to build a a soccer stadium. And we can't find that money. But we are going to find the money to give people like Martavius Jones, who proposed all of this, who is no longer on the city council, health care till he's 65. Uh, Okay. So he goes on to say, and we'll wrap up. Does... Ultimately, the citizens of this city, the taxpayers here, have the financial means to give these folks this money when we have challenges that are facing and plaguing the city of Memphis, i.e. one that they like to talk about is poverty. And poverty leads to crime. And if I look at the salary of these part-time city council members, their part-time salary is actually higher than most Memphians that are below the poverty line. So do you think based on their performance that we as taxpayers should be giving them these lifetime healthcare plans? I would say now. Now, I've got to give some credit to a progressive on the city council. I did not see this coming. Jerry Green, she took Frank Colvett's he term limited out. This is, she covers uh, District 2 in Cordova. And she said this, and I thought it was very interesting. Elected service is hard, but it is the job we signed up for. And it's not harder than 15 years of serving our country or 25 years of picking up the trash. She's referring to the city's employees that don't get these benefit packages. She goes on to say, or a teacher who has worked in a classroom for decades. I cannot in good faith support this resolution because I would not be able to justify it to the hardworking people of our community. She goes on to say, this will ultimately cause more trust problems, right? There's massive trust issues between the city of Memphis, Memphis voters, Memphians, and the city council. They don't trust them because it reeks of corruption. If we want to accomplish our lofty goals, this coming from Daily Memphian Reporting by Jerry Green, she wrote this to them. The public has to trust that we have their best interests at the top of mind. This proposal will waste time and erode the public's trust. You know that one quote? I had it written down, and now I can't find it. Oh, I have it here. When I was reading down through this story, I thought of this, and it made me chuckle a little bit. These people ultimately will line their pockets. They'll throw lavish parties, Martavius Jones biggest among them, and then ultimately want us to pay for their health insurance. There's no honor among thieves. And some of these city council members are acting like crooks and have no honor. More on the other side, take your phone calls this morning. Do you want to pay our city council members to have this benefit package? Because we've got to get vocal because this is all going down on February. Just next week. It's, it's right around the corner on Tuesday. 901-260-5926. Our number again, 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. 
This is the Mid-South's Conservative Blowtorch, the Mighty 990 KWAM. I was listening. So there's not one common thing. And welcome back to Wake Up Memphis here on The Morning Show. Write down our telephone number, 901-260-5926. Our number again, 901-260-5926. Very happy to welcome in, not guests, but friends, FCG experts, Joey Solopek and FCG owner, Dennis Plyler. You guys are becoming very familiar with their voices. And we talk about money. Now, what's very interesting, first of all, good morning, guys. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me out at FCG headquarters in Germantown yesterday. How was that? It was different than I expected. Walk us through it. You walked in the door. It was very, very homey and inviting. And I, 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 when I think of financial consulting, there's something inside of me that gets a little anxious yep. um, to be sitting down and talking about your money with strangers. When I walked in there... The lobby felt like it could be something in a home living magazine. Wasn't there was a beautiful woman at the door? Very nice. Shout my out wife. to your wife. That was my Lisa. wife. Lisa. <laughs> and you guys walked us through what you guys do and we went into different offices over at FCG and met the team, which was exceptional. But the biggest takeaway for me was the big old conference room, which again, conference room might sound scary to people. It's a big table, nice chairs, where you sit down and you talk. To your people, not clients, but people that trust you and people that need some help. You know, Dennis and I sit in there all the time with folks who come in just like you walked in the door. And and we talk about this when they leave, that more times than not, as they're exiting, they say, you know, I I feel I got this is going to sound crazy, but they have to a person will say something along the lines of, I feel really good about this place. To your point, you walk in, I think, with anxiety. It doesn't have to be that way. And you know, the velvet tones of Dennis Plyler soothe everyone when we're sitting there discussing life and finances. So it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a sarcastic <laughs> report on that. I'll so. get one later, I'm sure. I'm sure you will. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's so true because I, I felt that. It felt like you guys are, first of all, friends with each other. And that environment was very clear, but also you genuinely care about the people that come in and have financial questions. It's not to raise your bottom line. It's to make sure they are securing things like their 401k, which for so many people, they're still looking for. We say this all the time, and this is the truth. We view it as a ministry. When people come in, how can we help them? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about dollar first. It's literally people first. And I give that to Dennis and Bill and Joe and Ken and Lloyd and the whole team. I mean, they're, they, they do a great job. The other takeaway, Dennis, is you started this business, what, 30 years ago? Is that what? 28. 28 years ago. Let's round up. Let's round up. Yeah. For air, we're going to round up. Okay. 30 years, I mean, three decades. And to see that, what I was very fascinated by is, yes, you reached the Mid-South audience, but you've reached well beyond just this region. Yeah, we have, uh, as a matter of fact, when I get back to the office, I'll have a, a call with uh, my first client from Anderson, South Carolina. And yeah, we have clients down in Alabama, Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, <coughs> Kansas, and California. So yeah, we're, we're pretty much spread all over the country. Mm. All right, good stuff. So let's talk about some headlines. Because more 
and more people are actually keeping their job, which I found very interesting because I know there is a lot of mobility and people looking at the financial times that we're in and naturally wondering if I quit the job and go to greener pastures, i.e. more money, setting my family better up or well for success, excuse me. But statistics have come out and reports are showing less people are quitting those jobs. What does that mean? This is critical. Uh, and Dennis has got some great uh, dig down data. But here's the overall thing that everybody needs to, to listen. Hey, turn up, the, turn up the radio and listen good. All right. If you're still thinking we're in that mindset of the COVID pandemic where it's a hot labor market, everybody needs me, so I can quit here and walk across the street, that's all changing. That's all changing. It's called declining quit rates. And what the data is showing is that employers are hiring new workers less often. Those levels are falling to pre-pandemic levels. And so, in essence, what that means all these people who thought, you know, I don't like it here, I'm discontent and you're not treating me right, or I, I, I'm not happy for whatever reason, I'll go across the street. Across the street's not hiring anymore. So they're staying in a job that maybe they don't love. Correct. But because the future is insecure and unstable, it might be the move at the right time to just stay and then jump later. Correct. Uh, the <clears throat> we're, we're looking at the uh, statistics from last year, 2023, and we're seeing, uh, even though there's uh, plenty of jobs out there, the posted of jobs is going down. So in essence, you need to stay in your job. And here's what I recommend is that you be prepared to be laid off because we're now we're starting to see waves of layoffs, especially in white collar jobs. And you should stay there. You should develop your skills. You should build a very strong uh, resume and you need to improve your skill set because one, you don't want to be the first one laid off. And two, if you are laid off, as we're starting to see a lot of layoffs occur in the white-collar jobs, that you are better prepared to move to another job. It's interesting you mentioned that because a story that I flagged before today's show, UPS just announced they will be slashing 12,000 jobs. And when I read that, I thought, we cannot afford to lose 12,000 Employees of, of the Postal Service, because we've already seen a massive backlog. That's a huge story right now. People not getting their mail. But they said and cited bad economic times in a cost-saving move as workers now will be ordered to be in office, too. That's another thing. Post the pandemic, everybody moved back to their home. They were doing a work from home, a remote style of work. Right. They've got to be back in the office. And also, we're going to slash a whopping 12,000 jobs. You know, we were studying at FCG a lot of things that, of course, impact uh, companies because we pick stocks. And one of those things we study is productivity. And as people get more comfortable in their jobs, productivity can actually drop. Mm-hmm. Well, that hurts those companies. You've got to be a good worker, an efficient worker. I don't know if working from home is that efficient. I think that- we could probably make an argument it's not. An employee in a bathrobe is not as effective as an employee in a business suit. If I can see, you know, the talk show past my laptop, if that's dividing my attention, you're not going to get my full effort. And so there's been this backlash. I don't want to go back into the office. But the truth is, if you want the economy to hum, 
There's got to be productivity. Would you agree? I agree. Uh, one thing is it's easier to communicate problems by pulling two people into an office as opposed to trying to get a conference call and getting them out of the shower. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I'm sure employees, and, and especially after the pandemic, we kind of all had to undergo this new revolution of how we, we make money and we do our jobs. But anymore, that is not the excuse. Unfortunately, you're seeing even hybrid work situations where people will go in maybe two, three days. They get maybe Thursday and Friday to work from home. And that still is not cutting it for many of these employers that they're seeing the productivity and it's not adding up. They're not meeting their standards. And so the days of doing the remote, I think they are short term. I think it's a correction. And I'm against the feeling of entitlement. We, that's a bit of a pandemic as well, I think, in our country. We're raising entitled children. As a father, I, you, know, I, you see other parents and you try to gauge well, that, to me, has been bleeding over into our workforce, uh, especially with our younger generation, unfortunately. And I, I'm thinking those two things go hand in hand, parental entitlement and what they're expecting. And I see a correction on the horizon where let's get back to work and put our nose to the grindstone and earn something. There is something about showing up at an office, shaking your boss's hand, getting that hard-earned paycheck, and it does something for someone. It's fulfilling. It absolutely is. And some would push back on we're not created to work, but we are created to provide. And that could look different for different people. Provide for your family, provide for your your kids, provide for your parents. Uh, I've had a job for <clears throat> 60 years, working for 60 years. I enjoy it because when you achieve something, it makes you be able to go to sleep at night, wake up feeling good about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I would argue that biblically we are created to work. Yeah, I, yeah, we'll we'll have that theological discussion. We discuss that all day. Yeah, well, I can tell you, you saying you've been in the same industry and you've been doing the same thing for what twenty eight years would blow many of my peers' mind because we do a job for maybe two years and then we scoop because it's fun and attractive. <laughs> so about this, where people are not quitting their jobs, they're staying put for a couple. How is that affecting the economy right now? I'll start with this, uh, and then I know Dennis has got some in, input. I think that will help people. It's going to limit how fast salaries grow. I mean, you think about it. If a company feels less pressure to attract new workers, you just you know the employee doesn't have the uh, argument basis they used to. So now, getting back to his point, build your skill set and build your relationships. I mean, not all industries have this issue. For instance, healthcare, not a problem. What was interesting, I heard from the local uh, session of the CPAs here in Memphis yesterday. <clears throat> the number of CPAs and accountants needed is off the chart. And they went through the reasons why. And they basically said, People don't like the work required for to be a CPA. No, I... And so... Uh, Tough luck. Yeah, it, it's... Your job anyhow. But, you know, it's... We have an environment... Now, there, there is... I'll tell you the industries at risk on this, and I think you'll find this interesting. Software development, information... Uh, Human resources is starting to decline. The number of human resources, as 
you're starting to see some of the kickback on DEI policies. And the other one is uh, media and communications. And I talked to Todd. I think you're okay for a week. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be the New York Times or the Washington Post that just fired half their staff. Thank God. Going to leave it there. Um, The other thing that you were alluding to in the rundown of different jobs that have some insecurity is, I think, the rise of artificial intelligence, too. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is, you know, we keep saying build your build your resume, build your skill set, because when you start looking for another job, you put start using these recruiters. You're using AI. They use AI to basically start wow. going through it and classify. And we'll we'll pick up that conversation on the other side because it is here. I know it scares a lot of people, but artificial intelligence is here, and it could be taking your job. That's a terrible way to end this segment. Guys, go over to their website, fcgtn.com, fcgtn.com. You heard me say people are still looking for their 401ks. That is very common. So pick up the phone and call my friends, 901-309-2680, 901-309-2680. They'll find it for you. We'll be right back. The Mid-South's home for 2024 election coverage. The Mighty 990 AM and 107.9 FM. KWAM. And welcome back to The Morning Show. Very, very happy to have you on our team, hitting 10,000 members on our Stop Memphis Crime page yesterday because you guys are active and you care about stopping Memphis crime. So huge shout out to all of you. And we were talking about money just a couple minutes ago with our guys over at FCG, and I saw this study by Peel. We'll have Robin Poffman weigh in in one second. Most Gen Z and millennials are financially dependent on their parents they looked at it. Gen Zers 18 to 24 are most likely to depend, to depend on those parents for financial support. But what Pew found is that parents of these Gen Zers have given up on paying their kids bills. And so now the new trend are these Gen Zers, the 18-year-olds, they're just moving in with mom and dad. My parents would never. Well, ask Robin. Robin, good morning. Can you help us get to the bottom of this as a ma, as someone who has worked all of their life? I don't know. My mom and dad, if I'm 25 years old and I'm still begging for money, they're going to say tough luck. Go get more jobs. Maybe two. Yeah. This is one of my favorite topics. Like, I, I want to write a book about extreme enabling. Um, from personal experience, I uh, went to college. I was 17 when I graduated high school. Ta-ta. Have a nice day. (laughs) And um, I was living in New Jersey. I went to high school in New Jersey. I was expected to go to college. I went to college. Never lived home again after I was 17 years old. My parents wouldn't put up with it. I had to get a job. I had to get a car. I had to figure it out. Um. You know, both my parents uh, are educators, uh, retired educators, my dad at the university level, my mother at high school. And you know what I attribute all of this? I'm going to tell you the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end was during the Obama administration when they extended, Ben, the health care until you're 80 years old on your parents' policy. What is it, up to your 25? Yeah. Six, whatever the number is, it is outrageous. It should end when the when the child is twenty one and considered an adult and 
that's when you should be cut off. And I, I would love it. I would absolutely love it if our next president would go back to this because it would incentivize people to go out and work. And I don't care if you're a barista at Starbucks, if you're taking orders at McDonald's, if you're working at Chick-fil-A, if you're working at a local store. Then when I was 13 and 14, I had a whole bunch of jobs. I babysat. I tutored. I worked in a local card store. Then when I got my working papers, I worked at a department store. I worked at the Gap. I worked at Saxon Avenue. I had all these jobs. I was always working. I wasn't lollygagging around. And this is why we have an entire generation that is extreme, not just enabled, but extreme enabled and sitting in the corner. And lastly, I would add that look at Israel, right? Mm -hmm. In Israel, when you turn 18, you go into the military. Unless you have some sort of crazy medical problem, everyone serves. Every man, every woman, you learn how to handle a gun. You learn safety and security, and you learn how to be a grown-up. I mean, and we're talking to American journalist Robin Poffman. You hear her on the Todd Starn Show frequently. She's joining Wake Up. You guys know her. It's Robin. You're so right. I mean, as as we flirt with going into World War Three, and I don't take any pleasure in that, but under the current commander-in-chief, we might end up in a shooting match with the countries in, in the Middle East, who knows what will happen with China. But imagine for one second if the memo comes down, Robin, the, the memorandum, which is we need our young men and women or men to, to be drafted and go serve our country. First of all, the biggest challenge now anymore with the rise of social media and this anti-American hatred that we're seeing, I don't even think they would sign their name on the dotted line. We could get into whether they're actually strong and competent. But we've, we've raised a generation, Robin, of wusses, and that is a huge concern for our national security. Oh, it is, because we have a bunch of wimps sitting it out in the timeout corner, uh, you know, eating chips in their parents' basement. Um, I'm frankly sick of it, and I have no respect for parents who do this. Now, if the, if the child in question has a medical issue, mental or physical then you're in different territory. But I'm talking about people that have, you know, two legs that work, a mind that works, two hands, two arms, uh, two eyes and two ears and a mouth. And you are a functioning person. And, you know, let me say this. There are a lot of handicapped people, people in terrible situations, people that are in wheelchairs for the rest of their life, people with cancer and other diseases. Yeah. But guess what? are working, are, they're working, they're working. Uh, there is a local grocery store where I live that um, hires a lot of handicapped and um, mentally compromised uh, people. They help with the groceries, and they help you out to your car with your groceries if you need help. Uh, people tip them. They have pride. As my grandfather would say, they put their pants on one, one leg at a time and go to work. Yeah. And they earn money and they and they have a sense of self, right? Yes. Like, doesn't it feel good then when you get that check on Friday? So good. I mean, I will admit, Robin, when the pandemic was handing out these COVID checks like candy, that was pretty nice. But unfortunately, I can't afford Chipotle anymore because you get a burrito and it's $14. But speaking of 
bubble wrapping our children and a helicopter parent, look no further than The View co-host Sarah Haynes. And I'm going somewhere with this. So she's making headlines, and this goes to the big controversy with Taylor Swift. Some on the right believe that the Biden administration, and there's no question they're going to try to vie for her, her endorsement. Will it mean anything? Who knows? But Sarah Haynes, I guess, for the four years under a pr- Trump presidency, could not actually turn on her TV, Robin, because of the president's rhetoric. Take a listen to this and cut number six. Everyone should want voters. In a healthy democracy, voting is your yep. currency, and you want more voters. And you earn your the vote. The right has not been a, a hero for that because they haven't won the popular vote since 2000 or 2004. Or I don't know. It's been a long time. So they don't want more voters. But I think the, the bigger thing here that they're missing, as a parent of young kids, I want people that my kids can watch. Taylor Swift is undisputably a great role model. She's a woman that when you watch her music, all the things, my child can watch them. Do you know what my child can't watch? News. When you turn it on, I literally had to hide news for four years while Donald Trump was in because as they're learning what a president of the United States is, I didn't want to say, yeah, and that's him right there. So I couldn't even announce the president until Biden and Vice President Harris. I hide the news from my husband. That's a role model, and that's what the Republicans should be focused on. All right, Robin, take a crack at that. Yeah, well, in one word, whoever's talking there is a dope. And um, I respect the presidents of the United States, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, that, you know, you still have to respect the office of the presidency. And this also goes back to Obama, by the way. Remember when they started allowing kids to tour the White House and and wear flip-flops and a T-shirt? That, yeah. that level of disrespect also, I'm, I'm against all that. Like, dress up, look like look like a human being, right? Like, put some clothes on, um, put, some sh- put some shoes on. <laughs> you're in the White um, House. But it, you're in the White House, after all, exactly. Um, <laughs> but that woman is delusional, and that's why her kids are going to be naive fools. And you have a lot of people that still don't really get what is going on. I had a big argument this morning with someone on social media who's an extreme liberal from uh, New Jersey, what I call liberal land, and this person doesn't get it. And I said to them, listen, he goes, oh, when did you become so far to the right? And I didn't even answer him. I said, it's not about left or right. I was in two terrorist attacks. That was in the 93... uh, World Trade Center radical Islamic bombing. I covered the federal trial of the blonde shake. I was in September 11th. Radical Islam. October 7th in Israel. Is about, Hamas is about radical Islam. We as Americans need to understand what the fight is about then. This is not, you know, just people shooting at each other. There, there's yeah. a reason. We, you're, you're fighting an ideology. And people need to open a history book. How about opening your phone and using your phone as a history book and learning what's going on and what the fight is actually about and get educated? And you will see that it's not about Democrats or Republicans, because let me tell you something, Ben, the terrorists don't care how you vote, but they but they are intimidated by strength and they were really intimidated by Donald Trump because <laughs> they knew that if they acted up, he would, you know, hit the button and order that a top terrorist could be vaporized. Kaboom. And, you know, we need to stop being bullied. You know, what are we, what are we up to? Almost 170 attacks. And now we've had three amazing uh, soldiers, U.S. military, two women and one man, all from the state of Georgia. 
who were blown up on that yeah. base, and we're sitting we're sitting around twiddling our thumbs, really. And something you said on the program when you joined me, I believe it was two months, maybe three months ago, and it stuck with me because anytime we talk about the southern border, we're talking about cartels, we're talking about fentanyl, which are killing Americans, by the way. But something you said stuck out to me, and it, it makes me shudder a little bit to know that everything you just said, all of those threats, radical jihadists, are coming into the... It's not if they're coming up through our southern border. It is coming through our, our southern border. So the question now is not if we will see this. It is a matter of when we will see an attack here domestically, much like we saw on 2000, uh, 2001 on September 11th. Excuse me. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's the same, it's the same crew of thugs that hit us on 90, in 93 when they put the bomb under the World Trade Center, hoping to topple the towers. And, you know, you go through the airport and you're on the airplane with uh, some young people and, and, and they don't understand why they're doing the things they're doing. They don't know about Richard Reed, the shoe bomber, who wanted to take down an airplane in the aftermath of 9-11 with, with you know, explosives in the guy's shoe. So they don't understand how the Department of Homeland Security was even um, created under George Bush, the son. Mm -hmm. They don't know the why behind anything, and that's the danger. So any grandparents or parents that are in the listening audience of KWAM, and I know that there's a ton, um, you need to educate your kids and your grandkids as to the why behind the things we are doing. It's not about your shampoo or hairspray or hair gel. It's about Richard Reed, who had chemicals in, in vials and in his shoes and wanted to take down a plane. People need to understand what's going on and why we're doing the things we're doing, Ben. And wake up. All right, Robin, going to leave it there. Thank you, as always. American journalist Robin Poffman, she's spot on. Everything she says sometimes and oftentimes comes to fruition because she's knowing these issues better than anybody. Thank you, Robin. You're welcome. All right. Going to leave it there. On the other side of the break, we alluded to the controversy with Taylor Swift. Why this is playing out is now Republicans and conservatives are all up in arms about her attending the Super Bowl in Vegas. And I understand. I see both sides of this, and rarely do I see gray. But I have some thoughts on it that... I think need to be addressed, and they need to be addressed before we go into the general. We'll have that on the other side. Don't go away. The Mighty 990. 107.9 FM, 990 AM. KWAM. So, got some heartbreaking news for the rap community in town. A highly anticipated concert down at the FedEx Forum featuring 2,000 music, not 2000, 2000s, that's the era that these rappers came to prominence, has been canceled less than two weeks after it was announced. Got Grammy-winning artists, and I am going to apologize right now because some of these people I've not heard of, and I'm not going to belabor the point. I'm going somewhere with this. AKA, I don't think rappers that see the wars happening in our rap and gang community, and I'm not linking those two together in every case, but there is definitely a correlation. I mean, look at the headlines of the brother of Yogati. Yo I mean, he just had his funeral yesterday. Did you see the police presence? It was like the president of the United States was in town. Every Memphis police officer was at that funeral because of the fear of retaliation in this very sometimes violent community. 
So anyways, back to the concert that got canceled two weeks after it was announced. So Nelly, I have heard of that rapper. Ja Rule, Ashanti, Lil' Kim, Lumidi were scheduled to stop in Memphis Saturday, February 24th for the My Platinum Playlist Tour. It got called off by the organizers. No explanation was provided. A lot of people are very upset. Why would you not bring your talent to Memphis? Why would you? If you look at the current violence, I mean, there was a shooting inside the FedEx Forum at a big rap concert. I'm sure some of these rappers that are not in Memphis but are very aware of what's happening in our city are thinking twice before before dropping by. All right, to get to what I was saying about Taylor Swift. So here's the trap. What the mainstream media is going to do and the Chiron that you will see on your lower thirds of your television screen and the headlines that the New York Times, the Washington Post will produce to young voters is Republicans are attacking Taylor Swift. And there is some merit where we should go after her. But let's keep our eye on the ball. For example, the media, they're already running with this headline. I want you to take a listen. Here is a montage of how the mainstream media is portraying this war between conservatives and Taylor Swift. I want you to take a listen here in cut number um, uh, number four, please. This is what I think is going to happen. There's going to be like some type of proposal at the, after the Super Bowl is rigged for the Chiefs. And then the two of these people become, it's like, reach like crazy levels of absolute fame. And then they use that in order to try and save Joe Biden. Here's CNN. Okay. Media personality, Benny Johnson, said Taylor Swift is an op. And then there's whatever Benny Johnson is writing on Twitter. It's all fake. Taylor Swift exposed as a Fed op to rig 2024 election for Biden. Pentagon admits it, okay. Tuned into any conservative media or scrolled through Elon's X Twitter in the past few days, you may have seen the latest conspiracy that has the far right absolutely losing their minds. The Taylor Swift Super Bowl isn't making everyone happy because right wing dinguses like Vivek Ramaswamy are claiming this whole thing is a conspiracy, suggesting that the Super Bowl will be rigged for the Chiefs to set the stage for Taylor Swift's Biden endorsement. Guys, I mean, are you all okay? Seriously, take a walk. Shake it off, as she would say. I mean, as the right-wing conspiracy goes, stick with me here, Taylor Swift might just be an operative for the Democratic Party. Some, like Jesse Waters, who you just saw there, So they go on and you see how they're framing this. This is a war between conservatives and Taylor Swift. Keep your eye on the ball. We must. And we can declare war on Taylor Swift after we declare war on Joe Biden, on his son Hunter, on Alejandro Mayorkas, who House Republicans cannot find their backbones and spine to to impeach. After you have impeached all of the people that are currently destroying this country, then go after Taylor Swift. Shut down the southern border, and then you will get the luxury by your voters to shut down Taylor Swift and this alleged conspiracy that she is going to, I guess, get Joe Biden past the finish line. This isn't helping. And don't play into the trap of the mainstream media. 
because we do know that these young voters are becoming more activated. I, I, I long for the days where they just went out to the streets with those ridiculous pink power hats. I'm not going to even describe them because they were very vulgar and scream, my body, my choice. And then in the riots of 2020, I mean, I'm not suggesting that I rather have them burn down a city, but I don't want them in the ballot box if they are swayed by one woman, Taylor Swift. Polling came out just earlier this week. One in five voters say they will vote for whoever Taylor Swift tells them to. These kids are idiots, but idiots can be useful when they're in ballot boxes. So let's do something for the country. Let's address their biggest issues, which if you look at any polling suggests it's the economy. What are we doing right now to address Bidenomics? That's what I want to see from House Republicans, Senate Republicans. What are we doing to stop the border? Shut it down. You've got the president of the United States. I mean, my God, the guy is so out of touch with the American people. He tweeted out, and I retweeted it, a photo of Elmo. He's retweeting Elmo, for goodness sakes. Meanwhile, the country is going to hell. But we are going to talk about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. That is not helping a mom who is struggling to pay her bills, put food on her table, fill up her car, on your side. It's not going to help her. She doesn't care. Most of these people, they don't care what's going down in Las Vegas, the big Super Bowl. They care about stopping the invasion at our southern border, putting groceries on their table that they can afford. And there are another couple issues, and we just don't have time on the morning show to get into, that will get them on Team Red, Republicans. And that's how we defeat Joe Biden. Shut down the border. Stop the invasion, and then you can shut down the Swifties. All right? Priority check, everyone. That does it for the morning show. Now that I'm off my soapbox, I am going to jump off air. Thank you guys for tagging along with us. Full show tomorrow morning. Very exciting rundown and schedule lineup. So we'll share that with you bright and early tomorrow morning starting at 7. Have a great day.